Welcome to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on this week with JB. We got a big, big podcast today. So those listening, it's going to be a long one. Strap yourselves in. I'm joined by Pistol. How are you, mate? Well, I don't have nearly as enough energy, clearly, for this podcast, but uh, I am looking forward to it as well. I do apologize in advance that I my throat is absolutely killing me, so I don't think I can give my long-winded answers for this one. Any reason as to why it's hurting or...? Yeah, I mean, I did a six-hour presentation, so yeah. Oh, so you can speak for other people, but not for the listeners. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, yes. All right. Yeah, well, that seems much. a bit selfish. How'd your week go anyway? Okay. Uh, it was actually a decent week in the end. Um, two, 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 four. Which last week when I said my team scores the same every week, and I got two, 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 one. I'm seemingly continuing that trend now with three weeks in a row with nearly identical score. So. Trending upwards, uh, 1.6K now, so um, another upgrade will be done this week, and hopefully that will just, yeah, push me right into the top 1K. How did you go? Not too bad either, so 2-2-1-2, two, two, two. a lot of twos in both of our scores, fun fact there. Uh, yeah, that wasn't that fun. Oh, <laughs> you're way too monotone. I'm too hyped up. I just finished <laughs> watching Game of Thrones. I'm Everything's buzzing for me right now, so... Uh, in regards to my rank, I halved it from about 8k to uh, 4k, so doing okay there. Just made a double upgrade this week, so we'll talk a little bit about our trade options later, but already locked in a double upgrade, so excited for that as well. And it's been a big round, and uh, a lot of things have happened, Pistol, and this is why it's going to be a big episode. We've got about 400 hours of shoutouts to go. We'll start <laughs> off with Patreon shoutouts. Uh, the guys who deserve to be shouted the first and foremost on the podcast. We'll start with Hayden Bryce, signed up and is in the Slack. So welcome to you, Hayden. We've got JRG using uh, using a bit of a code there. Didn't want to get his name out. Maybe getting that competitive edge over uh, another few listeners and friends of his. And then we've got Matt Donaldson as well, who signed up. So thank you to you three for signing up to the Patreon. Uh, straight into the Slack community. And pistol speaking of the slack community we have the number one ranked player that is insane big tim from truck yeah i didn't censor that that is his team name truck yeah well done (laughs) uh started huge 13805 points this season so far has a seven point lead on second place and a good 40 point lead on third so huge pistol huge and did you say he's in our slack He's in our Slack and not just one of those little, you know, watching from the the shadows. He's in there giving advice, taking advice, talking about his team on the daily. And I think think we've had a little part in this, Tim, but big, big props to you. Big shout outs. I I think we've just... (laughs) Yeah, we've just been getting advice from Tim, so that's been very helpful given how he's gone this season. (laughs) Yes, yes, well... It's not helping us too much, but Tim's flying, so big, big shouts to Tim. Not only that, Pistol, because it's not just about individual efforts, it is to Tim, but we've got a lot of community leagues up there as well, so Dr. Supercoach Community League number nine, the number one ranked league. Then we've oh, got that's nice. We've got Slack is Life, which was made within our Slack community. Uh, that's just a bunch of lads. I'm not even sure if any of the podcasters are in that one, which probably explains its success. Nope. Fourth in the <laughs> rankings. 
And then we've got JB Slack League, which I personally am in. Fifth in the rankings. I could go forever here, Pistol. We've got about a dozen leagues in the top 25, and we are flying. Yeah, just shout out to my friends league in uh, eighth place, back-to-back. Just a couple of mates mucking around. Happens to be doing pretty well. We had a, a nice fife benching with no emergency last week, so could could be in fifth place. <laughs> you want to shout out the person who benched wife and didn't emergency no, him? Or? I'm not, not going to name and shame that one. But what <laughs> I will name and shame, uh, the people that uh, did donate to the Cancer Council this week, uh, there was a couple of donating for dumb moves, a couple of donating for donuts. So uh, maybe we'll get those also out of the way, JB, while we're, we're giving all the shout outs. Um, we've actually raised quite a bit this week, so there was a lot of dumb things going on, which is great for the Cancer Council and very much appreciated. Um, firstly, uh, to Kevin Astihoe, he's donated for dumb things and not do, not getting um, Riley O'Brien in via DPP using binds um, because he was worried about a late out, so he didn't make a move. Um, we've got Damo, um, great guy from Twitter. You can see Achizo's definitely uh, done a couple of shout-outs already uh, for a donut. Very early days to get a donut, which is extremely unfortunate. Hopefully, there's not more to come. we got Thomas Strudwick had a Jordan Clark zero on field this week. So that is another donate for donuts right there. So appreciate you, Jordan, uh, Thomas, for uh, getting around um, the donate for donuts. We've got... Oh, I apologize in advance for your the last name pronunciation. Um, Tim Twinia um, for not putting on the emergency on Grundy while taking oh, the Gorn VC. No. Again, every every time that Gorn does well, there's one person that donates for missing out on the VC on the Grundy. The next line is important, though, from uh, Tim. Still won my cash league game. So, I mean, that is what's important at the end of the day. Um, so... It's a win win for you and a win for the Cancer Council, so two wins. And lastly, to Al Payton for his, I guess, donating for dumb moves for emergencing um, Bolter and, uh, yeah, getting getting stuck with that rather than having Parker on his field doing the captain loophole. It's a bit difficult, JB, to captain loophole when you're not using um, your R3 slot to loophole. You actually need to think about the order of which players are playing and, like, which ones are safe to emergency or not. Yeah, and when considering trading in Riley O'Brien, I actually didn't think about the brain cells I'd lose trying to figure this bloody loophole out in the forward line because uh, I'm I'm lucky I didn't have Bolton because I would have whacked the emergency on him as well and lost my loophole because you just it's just hard to like you have to put the emergency on the better player and there's just a lot more that goes into it when it's in the forward line rather than the ruck so it is a bit of a pain. Yeah, and you can't really afford to lose any more brain cells, so um, it's very lucky. Yikes. <laughs> um, up to $45.76 for the, for, since the beginning of last year for the Cancer Council, so appreciate everyone getting on board, and hopefully there's uh, no more donuts next week and maybe a, a few less uh, donating for dumb things. <laughs> the donating for dumb things has really taken off. I think uh, it's, it's great. It's, much it's hilarious. Well, I think that's the housekeeping out of the way. Another big shout-out to Tim. Absolutely flying. Hopefully, we can keep him uh, primed for a money finish uh, by the end of the season. So, I think that's the biggest news to come from the week. And I think we've had... So, we have the weekly prize winner from or, or runner-up from the previous week going into first place overall. So, the, the Slack group's getting a, getting a couple of uh, yeah big-time big players in there. 
I think 90% of the group are outscoring myself, so... Yeah, it's not that hard, though. I mean, I'm ranked 4K. It probably could be harder. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got games to go through, and if Pistol keeps insulting me, then It'll I might, quick podcast. might have to check out early. <laughs> but uh, the morale's going down after the big start to the podcast, that's for sure. So uh, we'll start off with Richmond versus Melbourne. It was Richmond taking the chockies in this one, more than doubling Melbourne's score, which is quite upsetting for those supporting Melbourne. Big raps for them coming to the season, but you've probably heard enough of that already. The big scorer in this one, of course, was Max Gorm. A lot of people had the VC on him, so a big move. I, th- I think he's in for another vice captaincy this week. But more importantly, Clayton Oliver finally cracks another ton, 105 Supercoach points, and a lot of owners are probably getting a little little trigger happy as to whether they want to send out Clayton or not. I mean, you can't, can you? He went at 51% disposal efficiency. He's done that every game this season now. It's the same as Canelio. Like, you can't you can't really move on someone that's just tunning up and going at terrible disposal efficiency because that's they're not going to do it for the whole... Well, I mean, they might, but you'd hope they won't do it for the whole season and that it'll improve just a little bit. At least he's getting the touches in the first place, which is what I'm more worried about. Yeah, and owners of... Brayshaw as well, uh, in a similar boat, not exactly the same reason as per the poor scoring, but Brayshaw just doesn't seem to be piecing it together this season like we thought he would. Uh, if you owned him and you see the players players such as Fife sort of falling around, uh, Josh Kelly has fallen a bit in price as well, is it maybe time to bite the bullet and, and sort of just cop the, the loss in money, the loss in points for starting with Brayshaw? I think um, a couple of weeks ago was probably the move or, or even last week um, when I pulled the trigger myself. But now with the Viney injury out for at least two weeks, I think uh, Brayshaw might start more actually in the center bounce rather than from the wing or on the half forward. So he's obviously not getting nearly enough of the pill given his disposal efficiency. You know, he, he went high 30 touches plenty of times last season and just hasn't reached that level yet this year. And when he does, that's when he scores those 120 points scores rather than, you know, hovering around in the 90s. So I think we'll we'll see how we go with these two weeks with Viney out. And then after that, maybe you can make a, a better decision with more information. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. And Tom McDonald, uh, one of the last ones we'll talk about on Melbourne side, thrown into defense this week, had a score of 88, uh, has shown potential in defense before. If he stays there for the season, we could see him bounce back. He comes in at around 350K. Uh, didn't actually see the bench for the entirety of the match in this one. So is that one to consider in a week or so, or is the trust just completely depleted with Tom McDonald? I think the thing to realize is that if he's, being thrown back there, there's always a possibility that he gets thrown forward at some stage and that might destroy his scoring. Even as a defender, his best scores were, you know, mid-80s and I can expect him to go at that rate again this year. And if you're getting him at 350k, I mean, it's he won't make you, you know, 150k cash cow. He might make you 100k, but it's not worth the trade in and trade out just to make the money. So if you want to get him in, you'd be needing to do it as a keeper or at least a loophole option. And I don't think he's ceiling as a defender is high enough for him to be a worthwhile loophole option. So uh, for me, it's still a big pass on T-Mac. Yep, and there seems to be some players dropping as well. 
maybe not to those depths, but that have better prospects than T-Mac anyway. So we'll talk about that a bit later. Marty Hall with another 86. He's going to make a lot of lot of money. If you had him in round one to see him dropped in round two, you would have been very nervous. I hope you kept him though, because he's looking like one of the best cash cows for the year. Jay Lockhart, on the other hand, only a 39, will hopefully sweat on his availability this week. Uh, hopefully selected again in the side to make us a bit more money. But we'll move over to the Richmond side, and I think it's it'd be a little bit silly of us to not talk about Bashar Huli a little bit. 142 Supercoach points, and has started like a house on fire. With no Jaden Short, he tends to be scoring a lot better than what we've seen in the last few years. 32 disposals in this one, and very responsible of half back with 81% disposal efficiency. What are your thoughts on Huli's maybe a point of difference, difference uh, defensive option? Yeah. It's a nice price for 140k for if you want to do a, like a cheeky upgrade and you didn't have that much money. But the problem is I don't think we're going to get an entire season. Like he's averaging 109 now, and I don't see we're we're not going to get a whole season of premium numbers from Hawley because short will be back, and who knows? Richmond have been so up and down throwing players about that I just the trust is not there for him to go at a top six pace, especially with the defenders just scoring so ridiculously well. I mean, you've got Hearn scoring like 110 every single week. Um, you Lloyd, Laird, Whitfield, um, Sicily, and I know I forgot somebody else that's really obvious, and all of these players are just scoring well over um, you know, the 100 mark or will be expected to score well over the 100 mark. That I, I just don't think there's room there for Hooley. Could be right. Uh, I think he's got the potential for the scoring. His, uh, his injury... History is the thing that scares me off the absolute most rather than Short coming back. I think he still scores all right with Short coming back and he's a massive point of difference. So uh, injury history is the reason in which I would avoid him this season. Now, a lot of a lot of money makers in this team at the moment, Jack Ross, Baker, Stack, all making a lot of money. In fact, they're all making Stack's pistol. No, no. And then we've got Bolter doing absolutely enough. I guess <laughs> he's got a break even of one. He might make money this week. It just disappoints me seeing him every week having more clangers than disposals. <laughs> I think that's what really gets me. Um, the 61% time on ground is, you know, probably high for him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's getting it's like very, five free kicks against. It's because he's undersized in the ruck. So he just keeps pushing them oh, or no. chopping their arms or getting in bad positions. And he just gives away the freeze and he doesn't get enough disposals anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 not a fun life being a bolter owner. So I'm hoping now Jack's out, he can go full forward and he can kick you know seven goals this week. That would be that'd be a good result on my bench. Oh boy, it's not looking good for bolter owners. Uh, just lastly on the Richmond side of things, Dustin Martin, 89. Uh, a lot of people thought he was returning to form last week after a week on the sidelines. Uh, only the 17 disposals in this one, only able to kick one goal as well. And I think this is pretty much what we expect from Dusty. He's going to have big games. He's obviously a champion player, but will not have the same season as we saw a couple of years ago. So uh, if that's all from this game, Pistol, shall we move on? Um, I think with the news of um, Rewalt going out for a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. longer than a couple of weeks, um, that might open up a spot for Shea Bolton to return to the side. Um, he had 11 tackles and 25 disposals in the VFL, uh, which is a handy game, I'd say. He's 146k already on the bubble, has scored a 75 and a 58 in his two games. 
do you think he is a reasonable choice uh, to get if you're looking for a forward um, rookie option? Uh, it's tough because we love job security and if Rewalt is out for... I mean, well, we know he's out, but if Bolton is his direct replacement, uh, which a lot of people expect him to be, then you know he's going to have some decent job security. But for me, although his scoring's been better this year than it was last year, his scoring last year was just bad. It was it was not good at all. And we saw a bunch of 40s, a couple of 30s, a couple of 20s. He had one game where I think he had 50-odd at halftime and ended up going and finishing on like 43 or something. So uh, he's obviously... He's got another year in the system. He's got another... You know, he's been in the weights room. He, he looks a lot slicker this season. But I just can't see him averaging enough to make 150K from 150K starting price. Uh, for me, he's probably just not worth the trade. It's it's a hard one to judge because even though he could come in for Rewalt, even though it's a different type of player, that just means that when Cochin's back in two, three weeks, that Bolton might be the one that goes out and they can keep um, Ross in the side and Baker you know, doing his, his things. So the job security is always going to be an issue with the Richmond small forwards. They have so many of them and they play the ones that are in form and I mean, Bolton was dropped because he was the one that was least informing. Whether or not he's going to be the person that's the most informed in two weeks, we can't really predict if he's going to be, you know, outplaying Baker by then. But at the moment, you know, Baker's in unreal form as well, and I can't imagine he gets dropped. So um, it's a little bit worrying um, thinking that, you know, probably one of, I guess, Bolter, Bolton, or Ross is going to end up being dropped um, for Cochin. And I, I don't think I would be. I actually I like I would trade in Bolton if I desperately needed a forward downgrade option this week. You wouldn't just wait um, for Corbett for one more week or something along those lines. I mean, it depends on how many ones I have. Like if I'm downgrading Parker, Petrocelli, and Drew, so I needed multiple options and I had no, um, you know, DPP availability to get other options, then you know I'd, I'd certainly at least consider Bolton. Um, so it really depends on your, your team structure because, yeah, if you could only get one of the forward rookies in the coming weeks, I don't think Bolton would be my number one option. Yep. And that's, I mean, I tend to agree, obviously, as per my comments on his scoring potential as well as the potential for him being moved out of the side. So it is a bit of a tough one, but I do understand the punt if people are to sort of go and lean that way. So we're going to move on to the Essendon versus Collingwood game, the Anzac Day match. And we'll start on the Essendon side of things. Not a whole lot to talk about. Just uh, firstly start off with the fact that Zach Merritt did gather 30 disposals, but just the 87 Supercoach points. I had extremely high hopes that he was going to break out this year and uh, had had shaken the tag the last few weeks, actually, and, and scored well with that, but just could not get the points on the board this game. And maybe it's just going to be one of those years where, like we said with Dusty, he, he could be a very good player, have some big scores, but he's also going to have some scores like this. I wouldn't read into this match too much. There was only one ton for the whole Essendon side. Collingwood do kind of hog the points as they hog the ball and get a lot of disposals, and that's just you know how Supercoach works. So um, I I wouldn't be too worried um, with you know how this game is is looking. And Zach Merritt and Dylan Shield both went at a terrible disposal efficiency and kept turning the ball over. So I wouldn't. You know, as I said, just like ignore, kind of ignore this game um, from your thinking because going forward, it looks like Bombers are going to be a quite a good side, and I, I do expect Merritt to bounce back. Fingers crossed. Devin Smith, only 51% time on ground, uh, was shut down in the final quarter with a knee injury. 
just 35 Supercoach points, if you've got him still, you, you just have to upgrade him at this point. And, I mean, if we're looking at him from the outside, uh, from the inside looking out, no, outside looking in, then he's someone that could be a very, very low price as a former premium. But even still, um, he's barely in my considerations to even keep an eye on at this point. He's just in such bad form. Ah. Oh. Horrible form. I I wouldn't get him into my side unless one of their midfielders went down and he moved into like a full-time midfield role. Um, it's a strong, strong stay away for me. Yeah. Just lastly, Joe Danaher, 84 Supercoach points. Priced favorably, uh, sub 300k. Could be a cash cow. Um, kicked four goals to help his score in this one. But if Essendon do look like turning around, as you've just said, and if Joey stays fit, he could be a good cash cow. Look, how many better games is Danaher going to have than this? He he, he had thirteen dis- sorry thirteen kicks, sixteen disposals, eight marks, four goals. Like that's a, that's a great return. And I mean, he had a whole season points. of better games just two years ago in two thousand seventeen. And he's been out of the game for so long, and obviously it takes time to get back. And like that's a that's a big game that he that he's had, and he still hasn't cracked the ton. So I'm a little bit worried about what happens when, you know, he kicks two goals instead of four goals. Like, does he get a mid sixty score? And if he does, his cash generation's kind of ruined. So why are we getting Danaher? Yep, it's a fair point. I think it's mostly just if people think that he can revert to his 2017 form which you know he's still young it's not like he had that form when he was 28 and now he's 33 it's he's definitely he definitely has the potential as a player and if Essendon do turn around this year which they are showing that they can do so in the last few weeks of football then it wouldn't shock me if he turned around and averaged 80 or 80 plus even all right fair enough so jumping into the Collingwood side first we have the umpires um so <laughs> you're just rubbing it in like that straight off the bat are you <laughs> uh, i don't know i think that was more of a in support of essendon fans rather than uh <laughs> it's fine i just it's a joke it's a joke Jacob. um Pen- <laughs> you've got Pendlebury me with very the- defensive there <laughs> oh, I'm, like, I, I'm like it's not worth it it's not worth it just move on um scott pendlebury anzac day medal 138 super coach points uh, he looks like a new man now that his back's all freed up, JB. He's also put together quite a good season, but it still feels like he's not a safe um, super coach pick at this point in time. Do you, would you agree with that? He's definitely not safe. Uh, I'm not sure if you listened to his podcast with uh, Jay Clark, but he was sort of saying that in their wins, he feels like he tracks really well, but in their losses, he feels like he's doing worse than when he ever did in their losses, sort of in in his career. So... I think age is sort of catching up to him a, a little bit, whereas we're going to see some big scores in wins like this, or you know they don't even have to be massive wins, but just you know he's the type of player that gets up for these sorts of games. But then in a couple of losses or a couple of contested games, like what Western Bulldogs did them a few weeks ago, just a score of seventy-four, he's just not going to have that consistent dependable output which we're used to. We won't have a couple of losses though, so oh, I mean you've got a, one like coming up this Friday, don't you? <laughs> yeah, big game this Friday. Um, we've got the um, why is it umpires versus Stadium? Port. Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, we always play Port there because they can't fill out the MCG. I hate that. I, I mean, as it is, Port Adelaide don't get enough games at the MCG and then they expect us to play big finals there. I find it confusing. I don't think anyone's expecting Port to play big finals anywhere, JP. If Port play finals, <laughs> they're expected to play at the MCG is what I mean. Yeah, I mean, 
We'll see if they make it that far anyway. Brody Grundy, 134 points in this game. We've got the auto lock um, VC on him back, or is this just a good matchup? Uh, both. Both. Okay. <laughs> so are you VCing him against the Port this week? No. Okay. So 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 the answer wasn't both. <laughs> it, I mean, look, Port Port showed what they can do to Ruckman in round one. I don't think they'll do the same thing to Grundy, but I think a score around 110 is probably where he'll end up. Uh, obviously, I'm referring to what we what Port did to Max Gorn in the first round, scored around the 80 mark, I believe, uh, from memory. Uh, so it seems like we sort of go after big rucks like that in sort of an effort to tag them, which, I, I, like I said, I don't think will exactly work against Grundy, but it might limit his scoring potential. So I think there are slightly better options this week, but I'm not afraid to put it on him pretty much any other week. Okay, so I'm going to read you some numbers, and you tell me what Supercoach score uh, you think this, this player got. So we're going to go with 29 disposals, 7 marks, 6 tackles at 75% disposal efficiency. This is a horrible exercise because I, I don't have any clue. That, that would be, you'd expect that to be about 110. <laughs> and instead we're looking at a Jack Crisp 79 super coach points. Probably helps by the fact that he had, you know, only five contested possessions and he did seemingly kick it sideways a lot um, so he wasn't very damaging with the ball, but surely it's, this is a disappointing game for owners. Very, very disappointing. And thus far, it's been a disappointing season. I think, as we can see with Collingwood's top end, we've got Pendles, Grundy, Trelaw, Adams, Degoe, all tonning up. How around the ton. And then, you know, you've got people like Sidebottom who just aren't cracking the ton this season. And then, you know, we can go on. Dane Beams isn't even averaging 100. There's so many players that can score so well in this team. And then, you know, Crisp is sort of there... In and out, one week he'll have 110, the next two weeks he'll have around 80. So uh, he's not a trading option for me this thus far this season. And if I was an owner, yeah, it's concerning. Well, you named a lot of really good Collingwood players. They have a very good side, JB. Sorry, let's move on to the next game. <laughs> All right, we will. And the next game is of another good side, a very good side. Premiership side is what they're being called in most parts of the world, and that's North Melbourne. <laughs> Port versus North Melbourne, and uh, Port is obviously who I was referring to. I, you didn't even laugh at that. Yeah, I'm like, I, you kind of refer to North Melbourne or Port? I couldn't tell because they're both on like a similar level. So Travis Boak, 129 <laughs> super coach points. If you want to talk about good players, let's start here, Pistol. Uh, this was, I'll agree with you on this one. Well, he's just scores 120 plus every week he's close to 600k he's had one bad score or if you want to call it a bad score of 95 against the Hutchings tag and he's going to go up in price not not a lot this week he'll probably just maintain price but when that 95's out and he's got a couple of 120s in that rolling average he could well and truly go over 600k he's not going to get 120 against pies surely JB he gets 120 against everyone mate <laughs> I mean look would you be, would you be telling people to trade in Boak at five hundred eighty-eight k, or is he? Yeah. Is this just like getting ridiculous? No, nah, I traded him. In. I traded him. Traded him in last week for I think what was it five seventy-five or something like that. And you know it's just ten k difference. He's scoring one hundred and twenty each week. So why wouldn't you? Because it's a lot of money. Like it's a significant amount of your bank, and you could be getting like Tim Kelly and a hundred k. Yeah, but you're buying. 
an average of so far 120 plus. He's tracking incredible. You're obviously getting what you're buying, and if his ownership keeps climbing, you don't have him, and he keeps going up in price. When are you going to get him? When you lose 200 points in you know, over four weeks by getting someone cheaper like Daniel, and then yes. you know spending an extra 30k, <laughs> like it's just I don't know when it's going to be worth it if it's not worth it now. I don't know if I would be buying him before Collingwood. Like I, I definitely understand where you're coming from and you've got a great draw coming up. You play Adelaide at Adelaide Oval, Gold Coast at Adelaide Oval, Hawthorne, St Kilda, Fremantle um, and then you play four games in a row at Adelaide Oval. So Boak needs to come in. It's just I don't know if this week when he has a break even of 118 if this is the week to get him. I feel like this is the week to get Tim Kelly who's got a break even of 62 and then you can think about getting Boak uh, in next week or the week after. Yeah, I agree. Tim Kelly is obviously a very good trading option this week, and Boak won't move much in price, but, I mean, if you already have Tim Kelly, I don't know where else you're looking for in your forward line to get in a player. I mean, Caleb Daniels, cheap. <laughs> that's, that's it. He's cheap. He's scoring 90 every single week, and Boak scoring 120-plus every single week. You're losing... 30 points a week and, you know, you're spending, what, an extra 100K? No, but you're just getting him the next week. The very next week. Yeah, but where are people getting the money for these double, this big upgrade? Well, I'm saving 100K by getting Daniel and then <laughs> anyway, doing a downgrade. We're talking ourselves and in circles. upgrading later. I think, I think Boak <laughs> is a great option any week you choose to get him in. I wouldn't deter anyone from avoiding him for any amount of weeks. It's what I did with Kelly and he came out with a big score last week and an 87 odd this week, which was fine. Um, I avoided him because of taggers and that and missed a couple of decent scores. Although it did drop a tiny bit more in price, it just sometimes it's best to just get the good scoring players because they're good scoring players. But we'll move on. And uh, Rosie looks like he's going to make a bunch more cash if you did hold on to him uh, through this week, which he was a popular trade out. I do want to talk to you about Tom Rockliffe, though. Another score of 100 was tagged after half time. So I think he had about 70 at half time and then just 30 for the second half. I mean, it's the same every week. It's it's. Do you think Tom Rockliffe will be a top 10 midfielder? If it's yes, buy him while he's cheap. If it's no, don't buy him. <laughs> this new tagging epidemic, though, with the taggers seemingly coming back each and each week, we, we hear more about another tagger. Daniel Howe is now getting uh, regular games for Hawthorne and did a good job on Crips this week. If he's so taggable, Rockcliffe, as teams sort of just saw over the weekend, then you know maybe that affects our thinking. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't be too worried. I mean, if they've got Hawthorne in round ten, and they have, I guess, Sydney in round twenty-one. So, if it's two games out of like fifteen games, man, you can tag. You can't tag him every single week, and there will be weeks where he'll be up, there will be weeks where he'll be down. It's just the same as any other player that's going to be tagged twice, you know, superstars on their team. Um, yeah, my opinion hasn't changed at any stage of this season, and that <laughs> except that I thought his amazing value of 419k, um, and now he's slightly less good value just because he's been dominant in the last couple of weeks. Fair enough. So... We'll go over to Justin Westhoff, um, 92, a bit of a return to form, but I think we need to see another couple of weeks of that form before we think about trading him in. He'd be very brave to jump on his first or second good score of the year. is uh, going to make a bunch more cash, and as is Drew after the ton last week, so no concerns there. My next 
point is Robbie Gray with 54 Supercoach points has plummeted in price, now out for a month of footy, and you're going to have to trade him out. He's not that expensive, so you're going to have to upgrade him most likely. The people that started him have just had a nightmare season. Horrible, and if you had to recommend three players to trade Robbie Gray to, who are you trading him to? Oh, gosh. I mean, obviously, Boak. <laughs> so you're doing you're doing Boak, Kelly, Daniel? Yeah, uh, yeah, Boak, Boak number one. He's uh, about 160k upgrade, which is one rookie down, Robbie Gray up. Uh, Kelly, number two. Oh, I mean, based on value, if you don't have Kelly and you don't have Boak, obviously, Kelly this week is the way to go. He's 480, so it's only 60k jump. So that's awesome. Um, then Boak, and then, yeah, probably Caleb Daniel, but yeah, just get one of the there's other There's a big two gap. <laughs> there's, a, there's a gap. Like Kelly Kelly and Boca are much better than Daniel, yeah. I think. And Kelly, with such a low break even, and the Geelong draw completely opening up, like this is the week to get Kelly if you don't have him. You can get him next week, but you'll be paying 500k for him. Um, yeah, it's it's I think if, it's a no-brainer if you're missing either of those two players. Just, just quickly get them in. Yep. Uh, lastly, on the port side, Zach Butters definitely has capped out in money making. So uh, good to downgrade or upgrade, depending on which way you want to go this week, if you're still holding on to him. Uh, on North Melbourne side, there is Nick Larky to talk of. Uh, 75 supercoach points this week after three goals. Seems somewhat reliant on goals, though, which is slightly concerning for someone who would be looking out for a cash cow. Yeah, I mean, we've seen what Nick Clarke can do. I think it was last year where he went the entire game except for, I think it was in the last like three minutes or four minutes, he got his first touch. So, um, yeah, we're talking about a guy that has scored just ridiculously bad in the past. Um, he played two games and scored one in a full game and 19. Actually, he didn't get a possession that whole game. I just uh, was looking looking at it now. So that's a fun fact. Um, I mean, it's not that fun when you're thinking of trading in a, a key tall. <laughs> uh, he has he has Carlton next week, and I imagine he could still score pretty well he, off you know a 75 this week. And Carlton, it's probably going to draw in a lot of people, but you don't really want to end up with like a Burgess-type situation where you've got this key forward in a struggling side the ball doesn't quite get down there and you end up with multiple games in a row where they just can't score more than 40 and they don't make any money yep spot on i think it's it's difficult to justify trading him in he's not quite on the bubble yet anyway so um we'll see how he goes against carlton and you know good signs this week but it could be the opposite next week so carlton aren't a slouch either they could actually get the chockies over north melbourne quite comfortably next week i I expect them to at this stage (laughs) well we'll move on to the gold coast versus brisbane lions the most anticipated q clash in its short history uh, was being said during the week didn't exactly live up to expectations with the brisbane lions smacking gold coast Lockie Neal, 142 Supercoach points, and I have received a couple of messages from you at Quarter Time Pistol saying that you'd broken him. <laughs> Turned out okay. Yeah, he started slow. <laughs> um, he started slow. It's the same as the preseason, where he doesn't get that many touches and just gets massive Supercoach scores, and we couldn't. We know he does everything right for a, you know he's got the contested game. He uses the ball well, um, but geez. This is a great score for, for 28 touches, 142 Supercoach points. I'm, I'm absolutely loving having Locking Neal this season. Um, yeah, every year there's a player that you regret that you don't have because you just think that 
super coaches like giving them the points and the best thing to do to counter counteract that feeling is just getting them into your side instead um and then you know appreciating when when they're getting the points rather than being mad about it so um that is definitely something i would recommend with locking neil because they've got a hell of a draw coming up um brisbane as well and they'll be involved in plenty more wins and locking neil is going to be scoring um scores you'd think a lot like this the only downside of locking neil is the swans will probably you'd say tag him this week so we'll see how that actually goes i'm not sure that will have too much of an effect, but uh, I guess there's no harm in just waiting and seeing if you don't own him, if he cops a poor score and looking at upgrading to him in the coming weeks. Yep, and easier said than done, that whole getting them in because they're getting extra points from champion data. Neil is very expensive this season, so uh, good luck upgrading to him without using a few trades. Uh, just lastly, on the Brisbane side of things, uh, well, a couple more points. Noah Answorth did debut... 69 Supercoach points, uh, did well with his limited disposals, only the 12 of them, and 91% efficiency. So if he's able to do something similar next week, I've heard Brisbane rate him really highly. So we've got a good defensive slash midfield downgrade option in the coming weeks. And then lastly, just Alex Withen uh, suffering his first poor score of the season of 62. So likely to bounce back with it. Uh, and then on Gold Coast side of things, not a whole lot to talk about, but Josh Corbett did debut with a 55. Uh, did take a couple of goals to do so, so I'm not too sure he'll be the cash cow that we all hope he is, but has potential. I think he started well and then, you know, just lost it in the end of the game. But as a, you know, forward, that's... I don't. I, it's funny because I don't actually feel like he's the type of player that will be extremely reliant on goals, but, you know, that's exactly what happened in this game, only the six touches and two goals. So He does go up just the ground a lot more after. than what Burgess did as a direct comparison <laughs> there. Well, yeah, different different types of players, but we'll wait and see how it goes in the second game, um, just like you said with Ainsworth. I do want to touch on, before we leave this match behind us, JB, Daniel Rich, one score below, like 97 is his second worst score this year. He's averaging over a ton, are we thinking it's the possible top eight, top six defender option here? It's definitely possible. And I think with the season that Lockie Neal was having as well, I think he might be taking some attention of the opposition away from Daniel Rich, which is what he's been screaming for his whole career pretty much. He's having a good season thus far, as you said. And, I mean, might be a product of Brisbane's hot start, but who's to say they slow down? They do have a good side and... A lot of people expected them to be the bolters this year. So if all carries on as it has thus far, then Daniel Rich is definitely someone that could be up in that top six. For me, I have quite a few trust issues, though. I I, I don't mind it if, you, if you're willing to take a... Uh, you know, if, if you want to take a punt. Um, the problem, again, is that there's so many like safe top defenders... So I just would rather pick off all the safe ones first and then, you know, we have got more time to see how Daniel Rich is going this season. Um, so that's what I would do first because if you're, I guess if you've got 40K in the bank or whatever, like why why wouldn't you take Laird over Daniel Rich when one has, you know, one is pretty much guaranteed success and one you're like, it will probably work, but it also might not. 
Like, I'd, I'd just rather get the better option um, straight off the bat. Speaking of Rory Laird, LA Crows defeating St Kilda is the next game of the round. Laird scored 124 supercoach points in his best game of the season thus far. Without Middleira, we could be seeing Rory Laird, Laird go back to his best. He is bottoming out in price. But it is interesting to think that the Laird's score wasn't exactly a byproduct of Middleira, in my opinion. It was more the fact that he sort of had his first game of the season without an offensive tag on him. Well, I, for this small sample size, we, like we don't really know if what was the reason for it, except that he got 33 touches, which is uh, better than he's done prior. And he's bottomed out in price with a break-even of 92. So if you want to jump on 531K, I, I don't think you're going to get him too much cheaper this year. Yep. I think he's a great option. I somewhat regret starting him, but we'll talk about who I would have started otherwise in a later game, being a GWS defender who didn't score too well this week. We'll move over to the next player, and it's Brody Smith with a score of 103. Back-to-back-to-back to back to back tons now. And did rack up the 30 disposals, kicked it behind as well. And that was, I don't know if you watched this game, but it was the exact type of goal that he would kick. So he could have had more points that he left on the ground there. But Brody Smith is suddenly looking like someone who might be around in our team for a long time. Yeah, the plan's always been to reassess him and Zach Williams at their bye. They've got that last, they've got that final um, buy as well, so you can really see and downgrade them to anyone, or upgrade them, I'm not, not sure you downgrade them, <laughs> uh, upgrade them to anyone that's already played, but at this stage of the year, he's absolutely flying, so there's there's no reason to even think about trading him out. Yep, exactly right. Lastly, Brad Crouch with an 85 uh, Supercoach points in this one, 30 disposals as well as most of the Crows team. Just the 85 points, a couple of tackles. He got a lot of contested possessions and a lot of clearances. Wasn't hitting a lot of chests, but uh, just a lot too often. 85 simple <laughs> points. What, what are we doing with Brad Crouch? Because it's now a few weeks where he's just been underwhelming in regards of scoring uh, rather than in regards to actual match performance. Yeah, I still think if you've got Brad Crouch, you're holding Brad Crouch. Um, this is the type of run... Like he he's clearly like if you're watching the games he's like getting better and better every game. I know it's not really translating super coach points, so it's it's hard to imagine. But he's getting more of the ball. He's seemingly more confident, and I I can imagine that those big scores are just another game away. Um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty tough because you know, obviously you see someone get that amount that many touches, and you're you're like okay, well that's a big score, and to only get 85 is pretty disheartening. Um, I would hold now. I think, yeah, it's it's it also depends on your structure of your team. Like I, I'm saying to hold, but last week I did flick him to to Boke, and that was because I had Constable uh, as my. I've been complaining about it every week that Constable was stuck on my bench because I went all the way with Walsh at M8. Um, so yeah, by removing uh, Crouch, it allowed me to get Constable on the field and allowed me to get one of my forward rookies uh, out off the field, which was um, Parker. Um, I think if you can do something similar to that, it's not the end of the world. But yeah, I, I think at this stage, if you are already playing two midfield rookies, I wouldn't want to field a third one. So um, for me, if, you, if you're in that situation, you, you pretty much just have to hold Crouch. You wouldn't recommend anyone to trade him to Kelly if they're doing else other things, such things with their trades anyway this week? I feel like Kelly's cheap enough that you can do a one-up 
one down and get him from a forward rookie yeah, or enough. a back rookie using more anyway. So I don't think he has to be the one that has to go in that situation. Fair, cool. Uh, we'll move on to St. Kilda. Uh, if he kept Parker, he looks like he's going to make a bit more money. He sort of reset his break even down to the teens with a score of 63, helped by three goals. That I'm not sure he would have gotten close without them. But we'll talk about Billings and a score of 81 off of 24 disposals. He looked good again. Uh, he didn't exactly translate to a big score. And is this the sort of situation that we've been talking about this season where we need to see him in some decent-sized losses to see how his scoring potential translates there? Well, yeah, they lost and he scored 81. So, as we are saying, and losses is probably going to go in the 80s and this is going to keep happening in the Saints because they're probably going to lose quite a few games now that they've got their easy start to the season out of the way. And I definitely would not be trading in Billings. Well, that got dark. Um, we'll move on to the next game. Uh, it's the, what do they call it now? Battle of the Bridge? Is that what this is? The Sydney Derby? The Battle of the Bridge? Oh, so it is Battle of the Bridge. Well, that's what happened, <laughs> that we, we had the Battle of the Bridge this week. I thought they changed it because it's not even the Sydney Harbour Bridge they're fighting for. There's, it's like a smaller bridge, so I thought it was irrelevant. The Anzac Bridge, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's one. Uh, yeah, so, okay, sure. Stupid or something. Whatever. It's it's an irrelevant name of an irrelevant game because GWA smashed him. And we saw Zach Williams do exactly what we hoped he would do this season, and he is building as we expected. Had the 121 super coach points, which is huge. I think his comrade Josh Kelly is the biggest talking point out of this one. Did go over the 30 disposals again, got those six tackles, kicked a goal, could have had three with a couple of disposals there. Didn't even go that efficiently and had 116 Supercoach points. Now getting towards the 570k mark, he's primed to be traded in if you trust his body pistol. Ooh, They've got a big, big, big one, run of games it? coming up and a very easy run of games. Yeah, I might read them out because it's actually really, really significant. Um, they play Saints, Hawthorne, Carlton, Melbourne, Gold Coast... Adelaide, North Melbourne, all in a row, and then the bye. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. Like, that's almost the kind of set of games that you could ask for. And we know Tim, not Tim Kelly, Josh Kelly in wins um, scores so much more than in losses, and they're going to win all of those games. And Josh Kelly is going to score well, but it also makes me think that Jeremy Cameron, who's already averaging 103 for the season and priced at 513k, he could also go on a really good run of, get, of scores here um, because of the easy fixtures. So between both of them, do you reckon they're both worthwhile picks in your side? Well, I'm looking to Josh Kelly next week after he gets through the Jack Steele potential tag. Uh, Cameron, I can't say he's been on my radar before you mentioned him, which is obviously why you're the superior supercoach player, Pistol. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, they've got such a good run coming up. It, Yeah, it sort of makes sense that he's going to be scoring big scores. He might still have bad games, but obviously being a key forward, that's what we expect. But as we saw with his 10 goals, 34 that he had in round three or whatever it was in score of 166 Supercoach, he makes up for those bad games with very, very large games when he's on. So... Yeah, I mean, if you trust him, then there's a lot of potential for him to be a top six forward. I don't think I'd go there myself, Pistol. I think I'm a 
little bit old-fashioned in wanting to just stack up and midfielders in my forward line. No, that's that's fair enough. I mean, he did have 21 touches as well um, against the Swans. He's so been doing that this year, though. He's been getting 20-plus a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, he got like 30 that when he when he kicked 7-5. Mm. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where you take advantage of it now or you just don't bother because in the second half of the season when it gets a bit tougher, they hit, the wheels might fall off a little bit. I feel like this year with the, I guess we'll say, lack of solid forward line options, um, he could definitely be up there. Like I, I can't really see that, say that he's like a much worse pick than Caleb Daniel. Like they, they might do go roughly the same anyway. So um, Yeah, I can see that. Go with what you like. I, I guess Caleb Daniel's actually in less percent of teams uh, than Jeremy Cameron, which is uh, a bit crazy to me. Um, nine tons, though, for GWS. So they're certainly all scoring well. Um, one player that I would like to quickly touch on, Canelio, again... 54% disposal efficiency. He did dislocate his finger and, and wear, wore a glove uh, during the game. Did crack the ton with four goals this week from his 24 touches. Four goals? What? Is it worth... Is What What do Canelio owners do, JB, at this stage? Because he's clearly not scoring those you know big scores that we'd hoped for. I mean, we can't say at the start that Zach Williams, Kelly and Cameron are all going to benefit from this big run of games that they've got coming up but Canelio won't so I'd be yeah I'd be silly to advise Canelio owners to trade him out before such a good run but I think we'll see a lot about we'll we'll learn a lot about Canelio in the next four to five weeks as to how he'll actually track in these big wins and you know whether he goes from 105 average you know which he's been getting in the last month to 115 which you know owners would have expected especially after round one or if he sort of hovers around the same thing, we have to upgrade around the buys. So he has got that finger dislocation that we haven't found out if he's going to miss any weeks. If he's missing one week, I'm assuming you're saying hold him. Yeah, for if sure. If he's missing two weeks, what do you do? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, it's a good opportunity if you don't have Neil to try and correct it. Two weeks, if you're going for ranks... I mean, I'm an aggressive player. I would advise the trade if he's out for a guaranteed two weeks, especially considering it's GWS and two weeks usually means 12. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> I, I'd, still, I'd still probably hold. Um, yeah, that I feel like three three or more and he's gone. I feel like two, you could probably get away with, with some handy, I guess, loopholing. But <laughs> I would hate to be in that situation. I really hope that he doesn't miss two games because that would be devastating for me. Um, Lucky Whitfield. JB, yes, you said that really quickly. Lucky, Lucky Whitfield. Thought I'd jump um, in there. Lucky Whitfield could not run. He had like, eight disposals, dude. He couldn't run, and then they just played him forward. They're like, okay, well, if you can't run, at least you can play full forward, and we can use our rotations, which is fine. But he, he couldn't do anything. <laughs> he was completely like immobile. So I wonder if he's going to be missing this week. I'd find it. I'd be amazed if he played this week, just because he could not move. And you know, some corkies can be really bad. So obviously, Howe missed a long time with corkies. So um, we'll see what happens during the week with Whitfield. But he's not somebody that you can realistically trade anyway. And during this run of games, you're definitely going to want him in your side. Owners would be cursing that 45, but if it weren't for those two goals, it could have been a lot worse. 
Yes, that is so true. I think they got bowed out a bit. It's crazy to see that he actually had 79% time on ground as well. Uh, so even though he couldn't run, they actually played him on like, on the ground quite a lot, uh, more than you know Mumford or Hopper or you know a lot of players. Even though he was just resting forward, it's yeah, it's crazy to think that he didn't see more bench time with that injury. So the DeBoer tag went straight to Jake Lloyd in this game, and he still managed to score 107. How good is he? Oh, man, I don't even know what I'd do if I didn't have Lloyd. <laughs> uh, fetal position, as we've said every week. Uh, yeah, definitely. You just need to find This a way was to the get week it. for non owners to see DeBoer go to Lloyd, Lloyd put up a score of, you know, eighty three, drop in price enough for them to sort of grasp it with a couple of trades and, you know, finally re- like resurrect that back line without Lloyd, but somehow scores hundred and seven and he's he's incredible. He's gonna be the top scoring defender if you don't have him in at the moment. What do you do? Because it doesn't look like he's going to have a bad score. And you know, like, like I was saying with Boak, it's even more so with Lloyd that if he's not scoring bad now, I can't see it happening in the near future. And you're leaking a lot of points by not owning him. Yeah, you just need to save up coin and just get him in. Just bite the bullet and trade him in for that. a premium. Unfortunately, wait, trade him in for a premium? Well, at premium price. Yes, at the premium price. That makes way more sense. Yikes. Isaac Heaney, just the 74 this week. Any concern, or is this just what Heaney does? That's expected without Buddy Franklin in the team. I don't think he played a lot more forward, but he definitely was played more as a that lead-up target forward and didn't have Buddy taking you know, the very best defender at all times or even the second-best defender when Buddy and Reed are down there. So... Copped a bit more attention, got a 74. I think that's as expected. Yep. Alrighty. Um, I just want to quickly say that one of the benefits of Josh Kelly that we didn't touch on is he can't be tagged by a DeBoer. So yes, that's, that's, a, that's a win there. That's very true. Yeah, that's a big benefit as well because DeBoer is doing absolutely nasty things to all of our premiums besides Lloyd. Yep. There we go. All right, let's move on. Awesome. So the next game was the Dockers versus the Dogs. Docker's taking the chocolates in this one, and I think it's pivotal that we speak about this man first. Nat 5, 128 Supercoach points, has bottomed out from that concussive score that he took a couple of weeks ago, or three weeks ago now, and he's going to bounce right back up in price. He looks like he's going to be a top four midfielder. And if you're like me and you didn't start him at the start of the season, hoping he wouldn't burn you on the other side, you haven't been burnt yet. Um, the concussion probably saved a lot of players like myself who took the risk without him. Now it might be time to bite the bullet, even though it still is evident that he might be injured and always misses time. He's already missed some time, so you know what do you do? Do you just bite the bullet if you started without him? Well, maybe you can explain why you're going Josh Kelly over Fife. I'm not. Wait, you're getting Fife and... Kelly? Yes, I'm getting Fife this week and Kelly next. All right, you have like a secret bank account. Um, <laughs> I've still clearly got... allowing you more money than the rest of us. Um, I got Boak last week and Tim Kelly this week as well. What? Yeah, I don't know. I just got a lot of money. Um, okay. Anyway, Fife, yeah, I, I think he's essential to get this week if you're going to get him. Uh, if not, then you're sort of banking on him to pick up another injury, and you know, at that point, he's probably going to, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you're pretty much you're not giving up on him. You can pick him up later on in the season, obviously, but he's probably not going to be low on the 550k unless he does get another injury affected score. 
Oh boy, it's going to be a long season of me not having Fife. I can see it now. <laughs> yeah, I, like when I think about players that I would look at the end of the game and see as the top scorer with 140 and not be surprised, Fife is nearly at the top of that list. He looks so good this year. And when I consider making upgrades in my team and not leaking points to the players that are already ranking well, Fife's right up there again. So at 550k, I can't really resist. And. In this game as well, Liberatore is the player I will be trading out for him, Pistol. So, had a score of 71 this week. I don't advise everyone trading him out. It's only for exceptional circumstances if you've got the money to go to a premium that you desperately want, like Fife or Kelly. But a couple of sub-tons now, he's not looking like he's going to be a keeper as we thought. Maybe, hopefully, he would be a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he's only had two scores below 98 so it might be a bit too early to actually get rid of him JB I'm not not too sure I agree with you I guess if you just have that money and you want to get Fife um, it makes sense given you it doesn't stop you from doing another upgrade because you're you're doing a double upgrade Mm -hmm. Um, but for the mere mortals who have a normal bank balance uh, I think (laughs) it's fine to keep Libba he he might drop a little bit more, but he can also go back up a little bit. We've obviously seen his ceiling. He scored 150 points before, and um, there's a couple of games where the matchup might suit him. Um, Do you see as him having Be- that same Bevo actually? Role? Well, that's the problem. I was going to say Bevo is an absolute madman. So who even knows where he's going to line up? Because if he's playing in the forward line, which for some reason he spends a lot of time forward, he just scores a lot worse and they put him in the midfield and he scores like 50 points in 10 minutes so um yeah well it's all it's all on Bevo so we'll have to I think it's it's still not I'm not rushing at all to get rid of him and he'll probably be I'll, I'll upgrade around him and remove him at his buy yep Jack McRae 85 great news for those people who didn't start with him he'll be nice and cheap for an upgrade around he should drop to about 580k at least uh, and those who did start him, uh, it's bad luck. But I mean, eighty-five. If that's the absolute bottom floor of our one of our premiums, then I don't think we can complain too much. Uh, Dunkley a score of ninety-three. Bontempelli a score of ninety-five. A couple of players. Dunkley not so much a POD. A lot of people started him at the start of the season. Uh, probably have already traded him out. But a couple of good scores in a row. Do you think Dunkley's going to be back, or is this sort of just a product of? luck or what are we thinking here with Dunkley because the whole team seems to have shifted since Shaki went down I actually can't read neither can into I into any of this because <laughs> Bevo does whatever he wants to and do and that's the same like, with Bontempelli as well it's just oh 95 God. this week it's just hard to know what, what the hell's going on but he played so far forward for most of the game and then you know game is kind of up for grabs and they put him in the midfield and he absolutely dominates. He scores like 50 points in the last quarter and ends on 95. And you're like, yeah, Bontempelli scored and played really well when he was in the midfield. And it's like, well, of course he did. Bontempelli <laughs> in the midfield. Why is he playing forward for such large periods of time? I don't know. I, I, I don't really understand what is happening. I don't know what's going on. And all, it, all I'm thinking is I'm absolutely terrified in looking at these bubble boys, Will Hayes and Lockie Young when I can't read Bevo? Like, am I really going to be trading in more Bulldogs players? Like, it's terrifying. Yeah. And I'm not trading in either of those boys this week. Uh, I don't have any issue with people that are taking the plunge on Will Hayes or Lockie Young, especially Hayes. Hayes does look 
very good. Uh, did kick a goal in this one as well. A, a great looking goal, as it were. But it's not that I don't trust Bevo. I do have the money for a double upgrade, so I am unique in that instance. But it's just hard to pick these kids, and it's hard enough on normal teams, let alone on the Bulldogs. So, sort of, it's like a it's like a bit of a raffle this season. But um, we'll move on to Fremantle side of things. Uh, not really a whole lot else to talk about in this one. Just an update on Luke Ryan. Another score of ninety five. Pistol, so it actually does look like he's primed to maybe get into that top six, as you said he wouldn't do. No, <laughs> still not confident. Well, I mean, that this was a home game and they won. That's true. So... He does score well every single time they play at home. Yep. So I'm not not too worried. We'll, we don't have to talk about him anymore. <laughs> Fine. All right. We'll go to the Hawthorne Hawks beating the Carlton Blues. Got them by five points in the end after trailing by about 50 at halftime, which is just one of the wildest scorelines you'll see from half to full-time ever. But Sicily was pretty much the story of this one. 127 supercoach points, 12 marks, most of them contested and uh, intercept. 94% time on ground, 92% disposal efficiency, and I don't know if there's a single player in the AFL that can kick the ball with such depth and... Uh, just every single thing you'd want in a good kick than James Sicily in, in the league. I think he's genuinely the best kick in the league. What about Brody Smith? He's second, I'd say. Brody Smith is better at kicking on the run like that. Uh, as I, I, I was saying it during the Crows game when he kicked it to Taylor Walker, he had to kick like 70 metres to clear the pack and he did it and Taylor Walker knew exactly what he was going to do and it fell straight into his hands. So he's great at doing that, especially when he's on the run. But Sicily from a stand start, the way he just drills that ball right in the amount of switches that he does or, you know, pushes it into... If he, if he wasn't on their team, that'd be a five-goal worse side. Well, he definitely stood up when the game was on the line and scored a lot of points um, at the end of the match. But he's, you'd say, <laughs> tracking very comfortably to finish in the top six um, forwards of... forwards, defenders of this year. So, yeah, if you don't have him, you're going to have to work up towards it. Maybe grab him at the buy because they do have an, an early buy. Um, I did want to say in this one... Sorry, wait. Wingard... Uh, Sicily's break-even is just 84 just quickly. So um, he's going to jump up in price if you're not going to get him this week. He did just jump 21K the last week. If you're not going to get him this week, you're probably waiting into the buy. So just something to think about. I'd get yeah. a prioritised lead over him, though, because a lot of people are weighing up that decision. Yeah, I... There's value to be had with Laird. That's definitely yeah, for sure. Sorry to cut you off. Um, that's all right. Wingard, Wingard looked much more lively um, in this game than in the previous one. So working his way back into it, just the 81, but something to keep an eye on as he's about to drop below the 400k mark, just in case um, there's a hint of him ever getting more midfield time. Um, Scrimshaw with the 62 this week. He's probably... At his selling point now, JB, he's not going to make much more money at all. He's going to hover around this price for the next couple of weeks just because it's so close to his break even. Um, if you can move him on, this is probably the time to do so. Yeah, so any time in the next three weeks as you probably won't lose more than 10k in keeping him. Uh, not the biggest rush. we got Ains, uh, sorry, Ainsworth, yeah, Ainsworth next week as on the bubble in defence. So... If you want to wait for him, then it's fine. If you can upgrade him this week to Laird or Sicily, then that's fine. Also, can I just say, one of the most frustrating games I've ever seen purely due to Jack Scrimshaw this game. He was at 50 on at halftime, and then until about 
eight minutes left in the last quarter was on 48. Yep. And then did, just didn't get near it. Got like four disposals late and got up to 62, luckily. But I was honestly, I was about to throw things at my TV because at halftime I was licking my lips. I, I fielded him over Collins and he only needed a 16 point second half and he just scraped in a 12 point second half, which is so frustrating. Mitch Lewis. Um, has played his second game for the year, so just a 49 for him. He's, you know, 146k. Is he potentially a b- forward bubble boy that you'd look at? Uh, just the fact that he starts off at an extra 30k on other forward potential players like Corbett puts me off a little bit. Only 49 in this one against Carlton as well. Like He probably is not going to score extremely well. And yeah, uh, key forward rookies as it is, I'm not keen on. Um, Mitch Lewis at a slightly elevated price just doesn't doesn't scream 150k plus for me. No, and the the 60% time on ground is a, a little bit worrying as well. On the Carlton side, we saw Nick Newman and Cade Simpson sit on the bench at the end of the game with uh, different types of injuries. Um, haven't heard any news, but I think it's potentially hamstring awareness for Cade Simpson. So. Uh, we'll, we're not really sure if he's going to play or not um, this week or in coming weeks. Um, and the same, we don't really know what's going on with Newman. Sam Walsh, 79 points from 27 disposals, kind of went missing when the game was on the line. So he, he was scoring well you know, earlier and then yeah, just disappeared. So that's why he, his score didn't rocket up. Um, but the biggest surprise in the Carlton side was the fact that Cripps actually could get tagged and was held to a... I'd say a poor 93 because that's probably the worst we're going to get from him. Um, but just the fact that the tag was so successful on him um, isn't great news, is it, JB? No, and it's sort of hard to gauge as to whether the tag was extremely successful or whether he just didn't turn it on until he really needed to because they were killing it in the first half and the tag was successful. And then the last quarter, when they really needed to step up, he scored fifty. Uh, sorry, forty-three points just in that last quarter alone. Um, so he, I don't know if it, if the game's on the line the whole time. Does he maybe pull his finger out earlier? I'm not one hundred percent sure, but it did kind of look like he was sort of just conceding, conceding as they were kept on winning and winning. And then when the game was on the line, he was absolutely everywhere, and how could not keep up? So yeah, I was a bit confused coming out of this one. All right, well, if that's it, shall we uh, move on? Sure. Pistol, we will move on. <laughs> Geelong thumping West Coast, uh, doing exactly what the Premiership favourites Port Adelaide did last week. Gary Ablett Jr., three-round average of 119. <laughs> Is this any danger of maybe being in potential of maybe being considered in our teams? Maybe? No. He's killing maybe. it up forward. He finally looks like... He's really gotten used to his role up forward and, you know, a, a Gary Ablett in his role is very dangerous. He's had three games already under the ton, but like significantly below the ton. What were the last three he's, games? The last three he's had two small tons, 106, 103, and now this large ton. Um, the, the fixture does open up a little bit, so I, I do expect him to score decently, but the problem is when the fixtures aren't good and I don't really want to be paying a premium price for how much a worse can the in... fixtures get than West Coast Eagles? Just out of curiosity. Well, at home, yeah. 
So it's not, it's not, that's not really a worry. It's more the fact that he's capable of those small scores, which you wouldn't really like from, he's taking, if he's a forward, if he was a forward in your super coach team, you'd definitely yeah, you'd be all over him. The, the problem is that he's not, he's a midfielder. He's taking up a midfield slot, but he's going to score like a forward. Well, a half forward. He's going to score like the best forward in the game because <laughs> it's Gary Ablett and he's an absolute freak. So, yeah, it's just not worth the midfield slot in my eyes. I am playing devil's advocate. I don't think he's worth a looking, but it is uh, it is interesting watching you squirm because it is Gary Ablett Jr. and we know what he's capable of. But we'll move on. Tom Hawkins, another score of 119, has gone ton, no ton, ton, no ton, ton, no ton so far this season. It's almost like he's a key forward. Exactly. He is a key forward <laughs> pistol. Uh, thank you for pointing that out to me. Yeah, he's scoring like a key forward, so I imagine that will continue. Fine. Uh, Dangerfield, just the 94. Uh, lucky he had a bit of a better second half. 138 Dream Team is a bit crazy, just the 94 Supercoach points. Just had a just a random factor. Yeah, he just junk, junked it up. He, he was doing very poorly um, till half time and then when the game was over <laughs> Dangerfield absolutely dominated uh, so hopefully next week he can dominate when the game is more important rather than just in junk time that would be really good so we can start getting some big forward line scores again that would be nice <laughs> Tim Kelly 86 he copped the Hutchings tag as we expected but he boosted his score because he had 11 tackles um, which is a great way to score points when there's a person, you know, dragging you down every time you touch the ball. Um, not worried at all with that 86. Two behinds he's, as well, just saying. Yeah, and they were easily and, and, and the posts, yeah. He, he, he's definitely the number one upgrade target for this week. 472k for somebody that could average well over 100 in your forward line. With a draw opening up, like this is the week to make the move. He's he's going to jump 20k this week, and then it's going to keep going up. So um, hop on now before it's too late. Yep, uh, Myers to make a lot more money there. Constable to make a little bit more money. Atkins not a desperate trade out unless you really want to. No issue with holding, no issue with trading either way there. I think Hearn we've spoken about as much as we can over the past month. He's just an absolute super coach magnet at the moment. And with those kick-ins, he's just going to keep doing what he's been doing thus far, and that's scoring Supercoach tons. Uh, I think the most... Uh, I, I don't really want to... I don't know how to approach this, because I wanted to say memorable, but he's memorable because he wasn't memorable, and that's Jack Darling. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. A score of 22, following up his score of 9 against Port Adelaide. What has actually happened here, and... We're about to see Jack Darling, who a lot of people started in their teams as a premium option. We're about to see him enter into the 200k range. <laughs> I think he's been space jammed. <laughs> he might that's... have been space jammed, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what's happened here. Did Petrocelli because... take his talents? <laughs> Look at this. I, I don't even know. <laughs> he's been drained more than the talent that he had um, to begin with. But he, he just doesn't look interested his body doesn't seem to be working for him this year nothing is going right it's a a mess but on the upside is it can't really get worse from here and they do play gold coast so 
Eagles need to bounce back. Their season is quickly falling apart. They're being called all sorts of horrible names. They're saying that they don't want to win. They're not trying. The premiership hangover, yada, yada, yada. I don't really think any of it is actually true. And they have the opportunity now with this run of games where they play Gold Coast, St Kilda, Melbourne to really send all the critics a message. And I, I think that they will do that. It's possible that a player like JJK even gets a rest, um, you know, just rest up his body a little bit during this run just because they can, um, I think. I think they'll be able to um, since, I mean, maybe I'm predicting they're winning when they haven't actually even won many games, so that might be a big call, but um, I feel like this is West Coast Eagles' time to shine. So if you have Darling, you've lost all the value anyway, so there's no point really trading him um, and just hope for the best, and here we go. Good luck. <laughs> Can you believe that nine of West Coast Eagles players scored fewer than Tom Atkins, who is Geelong's worst scoring player, and 14 West Coast Eagle players scored fewer than Geelong's second worst, which was Jack Henry? That is, uh, That's amazing. Some good facts. I'm not sure if I've yeah. ever seen anything like this. They're, what? Maybe Collingwood-Richmond's game, something like that. No, but their fifth best player scored 76, and they had four players score 25 or less. That's amazing. Yeah, just <laughs> saying, that? Collingwood-Richmond's game was something very, very similar to that. Ugh, yeah, but at least Richmond had, you know, Vlastwin with 155 and Hooley with 148. and Collingwood. Collingwood versus Richmond weeks ago. Ah, I don't remember that. That's that's way, 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 way in the past. I've watched too many thrilling things in the last few weeks to remember that stuff oh god it's just game of thrones this is what and avengers okay all right jb calm down now how about we wrap up this um i was gonna say podcast but actually before we do that you know what let's leave it to the thursday podcast where we will talk (laughs) about the bubble boys um because we'll need to know whose names and which ones you should prioritize i think there's been um, maybe, maybe JB will get your thoughts while you're you're on the podcast. Uh, did you want to give us your top two rookies to look at for this week, and then yeah, and then we'll we'll call it a day. Uh, I just I love it when you put me on the spot like this. It just you're welcome. Yeah, it makes me feel very good about myself. But uh, firstly, number one, I'd say Hayes is absolutely the best option to trade in this week. Uh, Although he does play for Bulldogs, I think it's just a bit of a no-brainer. Number two, I'm going to go a bit left field here and pick Josh Rotham. Okay. And I I assume that's just because West Coast have been so incredibly poor that they're going to make some changes. Um, Maybe Cole comes out and and Rotham's the one that comes in? Exactly. I think if Rotham is the one that comes in, as we expect, uh, he's been doing well in the waffle. Has an average of 74, 77 from his two games thus far. Uh, could be a very sneaky pickup in your defense. 123. Right. One that might go under okay. the radar as well. Nope. That sounds uh, quite savvy there, JB. So uh, let's see if it happens. And uh, anything else before we uh, sign out? Might just plug all the Twitters, Pistol. Um, we'll yep, start off with yourself, Pistol underscore DRSC. We've got Chizo, obviously, at Chizo with a Z underscore DRC, DRSC. Uh, JB, myself, JB underscore DRSC. Then we've got Dr. underscore SC. Just another shout out to all the Slack members who are just dominating at the moment. I think we've got four or five in the top 100. Um, just 
absolutely, I think, has been a beneficial experience for everyone there, Pistol. Yep, unbelievable. It's uh, such a great environment, and if you love talking footy and you love talking Supercoach especially, definitely consider getting on board because it's it's just full of people that are, that are like-minded and, and love the same things you do. Yep, and you can also cop the heat when you lose them in your league matchup, so thanks to Tony for that one. <laughs> especially when you get uh, someone in multiple leagues and they, they just destroy you with one one massive score. Dude, I scored 22, 12 or whatever it was and he ended up getting a percentage booster on me. I don't understand. Yeah. He's, he's too good at the game. Well, right. that'll well, wrap uh, us thanks, up. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We've actually lost the plot at the end. See ya. Here. I'm going. Bye. <laughs> okay. Thanks, community. <laughs>